Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw. Caught by Green. It is a touchdown. Adriel Jeremiah Green. You don't live in Cleveland. Hello and welcome to episode 68 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that is gearing up towards Christmas. Don't care about football anymore. Good night. Thanks for listening. Uh, not really. Uh, we are 1 and 13, as if you didn't know, because we lost again. Hurrah. 34 13 to the New England Patriots, the Super Bowl champion. I tell you what, Nathan Palmer, who's with me in the same room, we almost had him, didn't we? <laughs> Didn't we? I might be a push saying that, even though we need to get the t-shirts out. We we could have had them. We we possibly could have had them. We, they were going into half time. We could have had them. <laughs> but I just you know Alex Erickson dropping that punt. I think that's you know what I mean. That's where they, they sort of they just pull the the heart out of your chest, don't they? They do. Oh, that's a good. Uh, that's what they do. Yeah. They do do that because you felt like you know the defense playing really well in the first half. Apart from that first drive, they're quite stout. Yeah. Brady looked all over the gaff. I mean, uh, Billings and Tupu and Atkins were collapsing that pocket. Mm. Hubbard and Dunlap and Lawson yeah, would get into him. Defense C- coverage fired was up. good after that initial drive. You kind of thought, oh no, this is going to be an absolute yeah, yeah. knacking. But. Um, we stepped it up. But anyway, we'll talk a bit, uh, a little bit more about the game. Don't want to kind of rake over uh, hot coals too much. But uh, as I say, it is episode 68. We are gearing up for Christmas. We've got two episodes this week, uh, excitingly. One, this one, obviously. Uh, and then we've got our Christmas episode that we were recording on Wednesday to put out at the end of the week. Again, more fun and frivolity, festive nonsense. We've got some carols. We've got some musical special guests. We've got uh, some, some strippers. Well, no, we haven't got, unless I have a few too many <laughs> mulled wines, then we won't be having any strippers. Um, we also have some very special guests wishing all our Bengals UK listeners a very Merry Christmas. And I believe we're going to be playing some games. Is that all right if you can get yeah. your ass in gear? Um, <laughs> Matt, I'm going to keep you sweating until the last minute. I know, you, have to, you know how to push my <laughs> buttons, you do. Basically leave everything to the last minute. Um, but yeah, so that's going to go out at the end of the week. But we let's not talk about that now because this uh, week, this, well, this episode, we've got a real Christmas treat for you. We've got an amazing special guest. And it's one of those guys, I think, that um, he's an ex-player. Uh, he's a very good ex-player. He was part of the 2005 playoff team. He's a pro bowler. He's a wide receiver. It's 84. It's TJ Hushmanzada. And I know that will make a lot of Bengals fans in the UK happy because he was one of the reasons why a lot of Bengals fans became Bengals fans. And I, uh, if you listen to the interview later, you'll, I'll say that a few times to TJ. I think he was a bit like... Mm-hmm. What are you talking about, mate? You want to fight TJ, would you? I reckon it'd be, it'd be decent in a scrap. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, but yeah, TJ Hushman's on coming up uh, a little bit later. But uh, let's talk about the game, Nathan. Second half, it's just the same story, isn't it? Second half, I think Jay Morrison put out a crazy tweet that they they have not scored in second, 41 yeah. possessions in the second half. Is that right? Maddening, then? isn't it? Uh, let me just double check that. You carry on talking. Uh. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, 
the thing is, the Patriots, you know, it's funny we say this every week, you know, are some of the teams we've played this year, I really don't think we've played too many teams that have just been absolutely unreal and slaughtered us. I wasn't that impressed by the Patriots yesterday. I really wasn't. The defence, Stefan Gilmore's incredible. Yeah, he's really good. But, you know, I still, still think, you know, at home... I think we could have had them. It's just that, that you well, know. You look, you look going into even when Ericsson muffed that punt, we uh, Carlos sacked Brady. And the defense lim- looks fired up. It really does look fired up. Absolutely, and good coverage. Linebackers playing better. I mean, if you discount that first drive uh, where they couldn't tackle for Toffee, um, you know they really stepped up. And Carlos sacking Brady. I mean, the Ericsson kind of fumble on that punt. Could have been a real momentum changer, but they they kind of you know they squished that a little bit uh, and limited them to a field goal. And you kind of thought, okay, but then I I sat there thinking, oh, this is Belichick. Mixon's running all over them. Mate, he's playing with some fire as well, the geezer. Well, we'll talk about Mixon in a minute, but um, I just thought Belichick's going to make some some changes here, some some little alterations and. And we've got to be savvy to that, and we just weren't, you know. No. And of course, within that third quarter was an absolute horror show with what three interceptions was it? And yeah, pick six, pick six, and then suddenly the game's away from you, and then yeah. it's good night. Really, you don't yeah. you don't get to come back against a team like the Patriots, really. So it was it was, as you say, it kind of pulled the heart from your chest because you know we again showed great improvement. A few more head-scratching play calls, though. Yeah, I think the key one that you're referring to is that fourth and one, the draw. I just really don't like those play calls. You know, you're up, you know, a fair play to go for it. You know, I like the aggression. You know, Bullock struggles from anything more than sort of 40-45. I understand the play call, but I just really, when you're that close, why, why are you, take, you know, handing that ball You've off just three yards behind the line? You know they're going to be stacked up. sneak it or... And well, it's not the it, it first just, time, is no. it? It gives the defence that extra second to get the penetration that they need. Mm. And they absolutely blew up Michael Jordan and that was good night. Yeah, yeah. It's just like you just want to stick, you know, stick Hubbard as, in his fullback. Whatever you do. QB sneak. QB if you don't sneak, get there on QB sneak, no one's going to argue with you. No, absolutely, yeah, yeah. But I think, again, he sort of tried to outthink things and he said in the press conference that, you know, shotgun gives you... You know, run pass option. It brings play action into play. It's like it's fourth and inches. Oh, you know, yeah. don't give a toss about you know that kind of stuff. In, look at you getting a bit raged. Well, was because it was just you know. I know lots of people are happy that we lost. So we you know because if we lose the Dolphins, that's what we guarantee. We guaranteed that first pick in the draft. But as you as you'll hear from TJ Hushmanzada later, he has some very interesting uh, comments on the draft. Um, Anyway, but yeah, it was kind of infuriating, really, because you want progression. You want you want whoever comes in next year, whether it be Burrow, whether it be Chase Young. Although he, I think he's sort of said he's going to stick around college for another year. Isn't be he? surprised with that, but yeah. Um, whether it's sort of trading down, who knows? Um, you want them to come into a locker room that's like, you know, confident, galvanized, galvanized, up for it. They've figured stuff out, so they're ready to go. Hit the ground running in twenty twenty. Uh, but instead, we're still seeing those silly little plays, whether it be lack of conf- concentration with Ericsson, lack of str- strange play calls on third and fourth and short. You know, things aren't 
still aren't right, I don't think. Yeah. And obviously I, the record bears that out, but you know what I mean? Though? Yeah, 100%. I think, I think a lot of the time with the Bengals, you're playing yourself out of winning these games. You know, you're not... The Patriots one of those teams that don't necessarily do anything spectacular, but they're just so unbelievably inefficient. They manage the game well. You know, whatever it takes, they get the job done. They just don't make those costly mistakes that end up handing the game over. And I think for the Bengals, you know, you're in there, you're playing well, you muff the punt. You know, you still give in up it, a, though. Yeah, still in it. You only give the field goal up. You know, you go into the second half and then, like you said, it just got out of hand pretty quickly. And that is something the Patriots don't do. No. They play four quarters. They're not going to be perfect, but they don't give you, you know, pick six and follow it up with, you know, let you run all over them. And then, you know, Randy Dalton to finish with a career high four interceptions yesterday, you know. You know, to begin with, you know, Dalton's back, he's playing well. But, you know, that to me really, I mean, not that I was saying, oh, I think we should go with Dalton next year, but it really solidified to me that we've got to go out there next year and change things up, you know. Yeah, it was unfortunate for Dalton, really, because um, if you listen to uh, George Iloka came on, uh, went on to the Locked On Bengals podcast with Jake and uh, Joe uh, last week, and he said terrible if, podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and he said a few interesting things, and one of the things he said was that Dalton should be kind of treating this game as as an interview for the Patriots if they get rid of Brady. Yeah, a few people have mentioned that. Because, you know, Dalton gets the ball out quickly, he's nowhere in Brady's league, but he can get the ball out quickly and manage games well uh, and occasionally do some really, really good things. So he would suit the Patriots' scheme. Uh, but I think he failed his interview, really, yeah. if it was. I mean, I mean, I mean, Zach Taylor came out and kind of said the, the receivers got bullied they should be contesting more. But, you know, that, that first pick to Gilmore was behind Tyler Boyd. It was a great play by Gilmore, but yeah, yeah. Uh, it was kind of a little bit behind Tyler Boyd. Uh, the second pick and the pick six was just didn't quite have enough zip on it. And mm. it was a great anticipatory play by by Gilmore. Um so you know, and then and then it's trouble, isn't it? Really, if you throw two into and you're playing from behind like that, and you're just slinging it about, you know, yeah, what I mean, sort of yeah. trying to make something happen. Um, I think the positives, you know, look at me talking about Joe Mixon and the positives, but he's he's running like an animal at the moment. And I don't know if that's the offensive line playing a lot better. I don't know if it's him upping his game. I don't know if it's both. But well, it's a real you, game changer at the moment. Did you read that piece in the uh, Athletic by Paul Dana? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. Which was fantastic because he took a real deep dive into what the Bengals have been doing differently and why has the running game uh, suddenly kind of clicked? And he mentioned Alex Van Pelt. Alex Van Pelt. There he goes. Um, you know, he he suggested, and it was all apparently on the flight back from London. They had to. They knew that they had to figure some things out, and they used that long flight to sit and talk and bounce ideas. I mean, you know, one could argue that they should be doing that in Cincinnati in their coaches' rooms. But they took, you know, they did use that flight back from London. See, I knew it was a good idea that they should come to there London. Go, they should yeah. do it every year, um, you know. And and Van Pelt came up with this idea. Uh, you know, Eddie Lacy. They used to pitch the ball to Eddie Lacy in Green Bay and it allowed him to get a real head of steam up and get to the outside quicker 
because uh, he's not he's a big bat wasn't he Eddie Lacey he wasn't he's the quickest lad, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, so he suggested that for Mixon and then you had Jim Turner coming up with this kind of this new pushing and uh, pulling system which seems to be working Trey using Trey Hopkins and also using CJ Zama to kind of block because we've noticed that throughout this year uh, as soon as there's a hole there's no one to block seemingly uh, a marauding linebacker filling the hole and CJ's marauding ta- uh, CJ's been taking that uh, that role yeah. so I just found it really fascinating and you have to say fair play to coaches for you know making that change because it has made a huge difference yeah it's I mean I think you know Joe Mixon the first sort of you know six to eight weeks really really struggled and I mean I think he did similar last season start of the season he really struggled and towards the end of the season you know when the sort of not not the pressure's off but when you know there's not the games don't mean as much he really seems like you know I think Taylor also just trying to use him yeah I don't know if it's to keep him happy or it's just to really push him but he's getting like 30 touches a game at the moment. It's Good. incredible. Yeah, and you, you know, I think that a lot of the fans are calling for that. You know, mm. He's one of our best players. Put the ball in his hands, you know. I think I do, and we've said it on this podcast before, I do think it's a case of Taylor realising that the scheme that he bought over from LA, this much-vaunted play action, this mm. kind of jet-sweepy stuff, he just did not have the personnel to make it work. No. So he had to come up with something else. And, you know, he's not. he's far from perfect. And the fact that they had such little time to evaluate the players that they got um, when they first came over, and the fact that they're all kind of rookie coordinators and coaches and whatnot, mix that all up into a big old pot, and then you realise that you know it has you know you, I guess you can kind of understand why it's taken sort of ten weeks, eleven weeks, twelve weeks for it to kind of click, you know. Um, but now Mixon is something like third in the league over the past four or five weeks in yeah, Russia, yeah. you know, and he will hit the th- yeah. a thousand yard mark. Which is unbelievable when you think about it. It's unbelievable when you think about where he was and what he was producing earlier on in the season. To get a thousand yards is is with that offensive line as well. And there were some runs left. One notable run where oh yeah, it was beautiful. Two or three Patriots were in the backfield, had him wrapped up, and somehow he squirmed out of it, and he went for a twenty. 20 odd yeah 23 yeah yeah it was amazing and you know he's running really hard really aggressively and you can tell that he's really stepped up as a leader um yeah i mean wow i mean what a player i think it's i think it's tough for the bengals you you look back at the start of the season it's just that they can't get both things working at once no, the start of the, the season thing, yeah. the run game was really like slow and it wasn't working but dalton was throwing for 3 400 yards a game you had john ross being a real impact and you know it i think through like 4 or 5 weeks dalton led the league in passing well, that's he was certainly the, top 5 well that's, the, well that's just because their scheme wasn't working the yeah. offensive line wasn't good enough you had john jerry in there who's now inactive yeah. on game days Cordy Glenn's made a huge yeah, difference. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, coming back in, you know, even Bobby Hart's playing okay. Yeah. Not awful, okay. But I, I think that's the problem now is that the pass game ain't game. Well, Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like we've got one thing going. I mean, the, what the, I think it was lovely, you know, the first drive of the game where it was just run, 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 yeah. run, 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 pass yeah. to Ethan Carter. First NFL catch for a touchdown. To Massive Ethan. props to, to him. Um, and you think, wow, you know, if we can keep doing this, it's going to knacker their defence out, yeah. beat them down a bit, and you'll have a chance in the second half, you know. 
But unfortunately, I guess we couldn't keep that up. And well, the team then makes cre- uh, corrections and then sort of fills the box and dares you to pass it. If mm. they know that you don't want to pass it, they dare you to pass it. Yeah, and it was a, it was a you know, it was a quiet game again for John Ross. I thought coming back, and he he is such an enigmatic player. He sort of you know coming well, in, d- yeah, he'll have two hundred yards one week, and he won't have a catch the next. And I th- but it all depends is how he's being used, really. I mean, yeah. let's have a look at his targets yesterday. He had two catches for 24, but he was only targeted three times. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tyler Eifert had a good game yesterday. Yeah, he did. He he really really showed up. Yeah, yeah. Really nice catches. And it's really interesting watching Belichick's post-game conference. Uh, press conference because he's like really complimentary about the Bengals. He's about everyone though. He oh, loves no, no, that. No. He's, he? he's saying Joe Mixon's the best back that they've faced yeah, this yeah, year, yeah, yeah. which you know, twenty-five carries for one hundred and thirty-six yards. That's pretty good against a really good defense like New England's. Uh, he, you know, full of praise for for Eifert, You know, um, yeah, it's uh, even you know, Gio had a couple of good runs as well. Five for twenty-seven. Mm. Um, yeah, you're right. It's frustrating though because I mean, you look at the receivers now. Auden Tate's out. Yeah, yeah. Really difficult, isn't it? And AJ Green's gone, and you know it's unlikely he's going to play for the rest of the year. Let's face it. Uh, Alex Erickson is not an outside receiver. No, he's not. I think there's been a lot of interceptions that have been thrown going his way. Be it Finley throwing them. I know he did a couple, and or be it Dalton. And I think. You know, Alex Erickson's one of those players. He's stuck around on the team for a while now. He's a fairly good return guy. He struggled this season, I think. In the past, has been. I think last season he was on the verge of a Pro Bowl season for returning. But you know, he's one of those players. Does he stick around? You know, you feel like he's reached his ceiling. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we kind of hope maybe that he could be our version of Cooper Cup. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. he's just not on that level, is he? Unfortunately. No. Um, yeah. It's it's a shame, really. I mean. And of course, the AJ Green stuff is still rumbling on, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I think with two two games left, I think it's very unlikely we'll see him by the end of the year. I mean, it's a year and a half now that AJ's not played for. It doesn't feel like much is happening with the contract talks. I've certainly not heard a lot coming out of Cincinnati, which is slightly concerning. And I just <coughs> think with AJ, I, I, you know, we don't know. We don't know how his ankle is or how it's looking. But I think the, as much as we can say, it's a highly unusual situation that, you know, with the best doctors, physiotherapists, strength and conditioning coaches, that it's taken, you know, four or five months this ankle to heal. Because originally it was diagnosed as a two-game thing. Yeah. Maybe four, maybe five, and now you're sort of fourteen games down with no real indication that you're going to see him before the end of the year. I just think more than anything else, it'd be a really sad way for him to go. Yeah, as you mentioned though, because we're not around, we just don't know what's going on. And we heard a couple of weeks ago that Dave Lappin said that you know there was a I can't remember what it, before one of the games he was practicing might have been Cleveland, uh, and he practiced really well on the field, but then. Oh, no, well, no, it was it was some practice during it was midweek practice, and I think Zach Taylor said that AJ is practicing and you know we're looking to play him, and then an hour later they issued a report saying that he, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and apparently Dave Lapham saw his ankle and it was up like a balloon again, so you know we don't know, but uh, the problem is the longer it goes the more likely as fans we're going to sit here and try and. Well, and just think that there's something else going on. Um, but it's really difficult, isn't it? But you know what? I mean, 
If AJ wants to move away from the Bengals, he's not going about it the right way because he hasn't. You're right. He won't have played for a year and a half, uh, and teams. Well, no, because he's so talented. Teams will take a chance, but he's not. It will hurt his value, though. You yeah, think? that's what I mean. I think it might hurt his value a bit. Mm. So you know, he'll still get paid handsomely because I mean, it's not often you've got a guy that on his day is a top five receiver in the NFL just comes on the market like that, and you know. There's no real questions on his character. He's always no. been a stand-up, quality guy. Um, the only questions really will come down to his conditioning because you know it's, he, he missed some and his time. Durability. In, yeah, because yeah. he, you know, he's been he was out in 2017. He's missing a year and a half now. He's not getting any younger. You know, I think that will factor into uh, for de- you know to decisions. I, I almost thought we might see him for sort of the last three or four games, possibly if he could just have you know put up three hundred yards, a couple of scores, show he's still got it, and you know he could get elite money if he came back and did that. But well, it's a it's it's a tricky one to negotiate, I think, because I, I personally think he's gone. You do. I I would be really really surprised if we sign into a new deal. I think he wants to test the market. I think he probably thinks he's got two maybe three years left I think he'll want to play for a contender and I think you'll I think to be honest he he will think he'll get a better deal outside of Cincinnati interesting uh, if that's the case then we suddenly we, we better be drafting a wide receiver then well yeah I mean you know because luckily the, I think it's a very wide receiver deep draft because well, I think you always do year. need that sort of stud receiver on your team don't you at least one to really give you sort of you know someone to really sort of, you know, give the respect to the defence. I think, you know, John Ross is a good player. Tyler Boyd's a good player. I don't think either of them are number one receivers. But I don't think we're going to be keeping Ross. Do you not think? No, because if you read uh, his option, I think, his fifth-year option is £18 million. Oh, jeez. He was a top ten pick, wasn't he? And you're not going to be paying John Ross £18 million. That's crazy. Not for his production, that? not no, for no, his, no. his output and, and time on the field. Which is a shame because I still think you know on his day he's a really good player, but they, we've just not seen too as we've not seen as many of those days as we need to really. No, no. Interesting. Anyway, uh, I know our special guest has got some uh, comments on Ag Green. Ag, Ag, Ag Green, Ag Green. Um, so let's bring him in, shall we? Now he was drafted in the seventh round from Oregon State in two thousand and one. And went on to play eight years and 105 games in Cincinnati. In 2007, he was selected for the Pro Bowl and tied Wes Welker for the most receptions in that season with 112. But we remember him mostly for his uh, electrifying partnership with Chad Johnson and Carson Palmer. It is, of course, number 84, TJ Hushmanzada. TJ, are you there? I am here. Uh, well, it's great to have you on, TJ. I mean, we, we've had you at the top of our uh, wish list of guests for a long time now. Uh, any idea why that would be? No, I mean, you you got to tell me. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's a lot of fans in this country started supporting the Bengals during that kind of golden two or three years in the mid-noughties. And, of course, the team was so much fun to watch. I mean, what was it like to play for for that team during that time well for for me i guess as fun as it was for you guys to watch it was probably a lot funner for us to be involved with and and just play and compete Hmm. and um and i think that's probably to answer your question that's probably why that you're so i mean there's a guy over here with about 15 
Hushman Zada, different Hushman Zada jerseys on his wall. It's it's kind of crazy stuff, you know. And I'm sure you know, as as the games at Wembley and Twickenham here every year, there is a strong fan base. Uh, but I want to take you back to when you first joined the team. As I say, that draft in 2001 was pretty spectacular. Your college teammate Chad was was drafted earlier than you. You went in the seventh round. There was Justin Smith. Rudy Johnson, but the, what did you know about Cincinnati when you first joined uh, the club? Man, nothing. Zero. <laughs> it, it was pretty much born and raised in California, and you get drafted to Cincinnati. For me, I, I was excited to get drafted, number one. And when you get there, it just looks so different, you know, than how I grew up in California. But sure. obviously it turned out, uh, to be a great place to play. The city is fantastic. Enjoyed myself. But as far as knowing anything about it, I had no idea what I was getting myself into when it turned out to uh, be a pretty good adventure. Sure, right. And, of course, when you did join, you had a 6-10 and 10 season. You had then a 2-14 and 14 season. Uh, Coach LeBeau went and in came Marvin. Uh, what did Marvin do? What Did you notice the change Immediately, what did Marvin do to to kind of change things around? He was just really trying to establish a culture, a culture of winning, a culture of doing things the right way, a culture of discipline. And obviously that took time. But once he was able to establish that, then you started to see us kind of turn it around on the field. But that, that for me, that was the main thing, just being under Coach LeBeau my first two years. And then when Marvin came in, you kind of have to lay the groundwork. It's almost teaching your kids a different language, right, uh, right. and it just takes time to learn. Um, from two and fourteen, you went eight and eight. Uh, that's quite a significant improvement. When did you and the players think that? Hold on a minute, we've got something going on here. Was it when Carson was drafted and things started to click? On that side of the ball, what, what was the moment when you guys thought, hold on, we can make a run at this? So Carson was drafted in 03, if I'm not mistaken, did not play that year. Mm-hmm. And his his first year as a starter, I, I believe everybody was like, we, we have a chance to be really good. And it took us a year to kind of get in the groove. And from that point forward, I mean, I think offensively we, we took off where we had pretty good three to four year span of, I would say we're virtually unstoppable. Mm. TJ, you talk about Carson Palmer there and obviously a fantastic quarterback for the Bengals as a wide receiver. What was it like to play with Carson? You know, how was your relationship with him on the field? Oh man, man Carson is so chill. If you can't get along with Carson, you can't get along with anybody. <laughs> it, it, it was, uh, obviously me and Carson had a good relationship. We still do to this day. Uh, but yeah, Carson's just real chill, real chill, real easygoing personality. Um, a great leader, kind of leads by example more so than vocally. But yeah, Carson, no problems at all. And obviously, on the subject of Carson, you know, not to go into too much detail, but were, you, were you personally, you know, surprised at what went down? And you know, with the way he exited Cincinnati, uh, I would say yes and no. You know, it's almost a. Uh, I think I guess you can look at it as he he felt like he could only take so much. Um, I guess he felt he was being told one thing, and another thing was happening over and over and over again. 
and he he just felt like it was best for both sides, himself and the Bengals, just to just move on. It kind of sucks because Carson is, in my opinion, he's one of the best quarterbacks to ever play in the NFL. But he'll never uh, he'll never get that credit. Wow, that is that is high praise indeed. I mean, but you're right though; those two or three years in the middle of the the decade were the years when you really, really got going. You mentioned that you, you know, every time you played, you felt that you were unstoppable. Tell us a little bit about your, I guess, partnership with Chad, because Chad's another reason why a lot of Bengals fans here became Bengals fans. Um, you were obviously two very different players, and you knew each other and played with each other at Oregon State. Um how did you take that kind of chemistry onto the NFL and uh, how did it work? What were your kind of strengths? How did you play with each other? What? How did you kind of bounce off each other? I mean, obviously playing together in college. So we playing together at 20, 21 in college and then we play so long together in the NFL. You, you just really understand somebody inside and out uh, athletically and off the field, you know, emotionally. And so it, it was a good balance of what how Chad and what he brought to the game, how I prepared and what I brought to the game. Um, we're different from, from that aspect. I'm a, I can play outside, but I can also work the middle of the field. I'm a block. Chad was strictly being on the outside, take the top off the defense. Um, and I would say – the majority of fans, and not just in the UK, that really became Bingo fans in that time was because of the attention that Chad brought to the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chad's an interesting character, and you, you, you've known him for a long time, even before you came to the Bengals that we've just mentioned. What is he really like? Because on the field, he's all kind of, you know, jokes and catchphrases and messing around and hilarious and obviously fans respond to that but what was he what is he like as a as a person underneath all that uh for me chat was more just real chill i wouldn't say quiet but you know he was he was somewhat quiet for the for the most part um not loud uh not very talkative he just it was more uh when it was time i i guess to act he acted uh when the camera came around he, he wanted to make sure everybody knew it, it was a show and he kind of just got in the character but chad was a real quiet real chill dude very nice nice to everybody probably too nice to everybody right um that's probably the, the thing that i would uh take away from it he's just very approachable um and nice to everybody TJ, we've you know touched on some fantastic times for the Bengals um, back in the early O's. Um, moving forward now to you know the team of today, um, looking at the record and you know the coach Taylor and stuff like that. What do you make of the Bengals this season? I mean, they they haven't played well. Obviously, I mean a blind man can see that. <laughs> but to me, there, there's you can only get better, and so. This year has been challenging, and, and as a coach, what you do now is you just you, you don't evaluate how well players play. You evaluate how well they're willing to put the work in when you've only won one game. How, how much time are you willing to invest when 
after the last game of the season, you have no chance at the playoffs. And so that, you want to look at guys' character and, and what they're made of inside because next year I can almost guarantee you they'll win more than one game. Hopefully they'll have a chance to make the playoffs. But you just want to see the type of character uh, with the guys on the team because if they don't have that type of character, then you, you don't want them back next year because you are almost certain you won't have this type of season again. Absolutely. And obviously as a wide receiver yourself, you know, a player on the team for the Bengals at the moment that we haven't seen much of in the last year and a half is AJ Green. You know, obviously one of the great all-time Bengals receivers, but, you know, what is your take on him at the moment? You know, he's not played for a year and a half. He's going into, a con you know, the end of his contract. Um, do you think he'll be back in stripes? Oh, man, that's interesting. It seems like AJ hadn't played in so long. Has it just been a year and a half? It seems like it's been so much longer than that. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> it's, uh, it's unfortunate because it's what you said. AJ is one of the best receivers in the league when, when he's able to play. Uh, I, will he be back? I don't know. And we, everybody knows this. It comes down to how much money he wants and how much are, are the Bengals or somebody else willing to pay. Would you be, Would you be willing to pay him, TJ? Say that again. Would you be willing to pay him if you were Mike Brown? Uh, uh, yeah, I'd be willing to pay him now. How much? That's a different question. Mm. Now, would I be willing to pay him the top of the receiver market? No, I wouldn't. And like I said, he didn't. Play, he won't play a game this year. He missed quite a few games last year. Uh, Twenty seventeen, he missed some games as well. And, and so, yeah, he, he's talented, but. I don't care how talented you are if you can't play. And so, um, yeah, I'd be willing to pay him. But top of the receiver market, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just that's, that's not smart business. Talent-wise, it's a no-brainer. But you don't know if you're going to have that talent on the field. Absolutely. And, and you worked with... Um... You you kind of went in and worked with the receivers at the Bengals uh, maybe last year, the year before, is that right? And you worked with John Ross. Yep. And what did you see with those receivers? You worked with Tyler Boyd as well, no doubt, because he was around. And what what do you make of the the wide receiving group there in Cincinnati? Man, it's great. The receiver Cincinnati has a really good, like, Cincinnati, number one, they have a good receiving core. Top mm -hmm. to bottom, player for player, they're really good. The Bengals just have a really good team, player for player, all around. Why? How are they losing? I have no idea. Like I really have no damn idea <laughs> how they've only won one game because they have really good players overall. Like if you just go player for player for player, offensive line is not that strong. But it's I don't know. I don't know. But the receivers are good. The, yeah. the receivers are. They have a good receiving core. They have a good tight end core. They got good running backs. Andy Dalton is a middle-of-the-pack quarterback, but with the guys around him, he's good enough to where they can win. It's just really, really odd the type of season they've had. I, I go back to the first game of the season. Mm. The kicker makes the PAT in the field goal. They beat the Seahawks. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right. They, 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 they win the first game of the season, and you win that first game of the season, you never know how the rest of the season turns out because guys are playing with a lot of confidence because mm. you just went beat absolutely. Seattle and Seattle which is a very tough place to play. It didn't happen, and then it's just the avalanche started running, going downhill, and they just couldn't recover. Absolutely. Um, so let me put you on the spot then. If, if you think the players are talented enough, is it a is it a case of confidence 
and learning new schemes or is it are the coaches up to the job or is that is that uh, too early to say I, I don't know if the coaches are up for the job because I, I don't personally I don't know them mm-hmm. and so I am very opinionated and so <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't say all oh, these coaches I don't know the coaches I would assume they know what they're doing. The majority of coaches do, but there are a lot of coaches that are idiots, and I don't know how they get the job they get. Right, right, right. But the English coaches, um, I'm going to say they know what they're doing. A lot of it does have to do with confidence, and I don't care what you do. I don't know what you guys do for a living, but if you don't have confidence in what you're doing, you're probably not going to do it very well. Mm-hmm. And so, but it's easy for it's easy to be confident when you're 12 and two, yeah, 13 and two for what it, it's hard to stay confident when you're one and 13. And you played and on it. So you played on a two, a and, two, you played on a two and 14 team. How, what was that like? Was it I, d- difficult to get yourself up for yes, each game? It, you know, was it's, it difficult? It's brutal. It's right. brutal. Like the, the hard part when you're on a losing team is, but going into every game, I thought we were going to win mm-hmm. every game. Right. And then when you get down by double digits, you're like, oh, shit, here we go again. Right, right. <laughs> That's the biggest thing is the confidence is when you start losing. But I'm a confident person. Everybody that knows me knows that. So I go into every game like, oh, I went in this game. Mm-hmm. God, we're losing. And, and so confidence plays a part in it. Understanding what the coaches want and, and – is the scheme too hard? I don't know. Do the coaches know what they're doing? Zach Taylor's a young guy, so you don't you don't advance in the NFL as quickly as he has without really knowing what you're doing. Um, it's just trying to put it all together, figure things out. Mm-hmm. They'll have probably the first pick of the draft this year, and everybody's saying draft Joe Burrow. I'm not so sure. Interesting. Um, Why aren't you so I'm not sure, so TJ? Sure. What's the what's the TJ view on Joe Burrow? No, 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 no. Don't. I I love Joe Burrow. Right. My daughter goes to LSU, so right, I watch right, right. every LSU football game. Um, he's fantastic. I think he's the best quarterback in the draft. Mm. But it, but if you if you're the Bengals, is Joe Burrow gonna make a difference to where it turns the team around right away? That's debatable. Mm. And, and so. Try to, if you can trade it, trade it, get more picks. Um, a guy like Chase Young can change. He can make an impact from day one. Right, right. He he, uh, he, he can make an impact from day one. And so it, it's just a lot to go into it. The Andy Dalton is, if you protect him, you get Jonah Williams back, Cordy Ginn comes back, that's two starting offensive linemen right there. Yeah. Mm. Immediately your team's going to be better. And, and so – if AJ comes back, now you're even better. Yeah. And so there's a lot of variables that go into it. But I like Joe Burrow. I think he's the best quarterback in the draft. But does he fix everything you need? They're probably going to draft him because that's what the NFL has come to. Hmm. you got to draft a quarterback if you have the first pick. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it's almost it's almost frowned upon to take anybody else other than the quarterback. So I'm sure that's the route they're going to go. But I'm not so sure it's the right move. Very interesting. Now, uh, let me just uh, real quick. Uh, we're going to let you go in a sec, TJ. Um, you had a, you know, an amazingly productive career. Uh, two thousand four, you had seventy three receptions. Two thousand five, seventy eight. Two thousand six, ninety. Two thousand seven, one hundred and twelve. 
2008-92, that's, that's really, that's hella productive. What are your key memories? From, any, any particular games or moments that you look back upon with real pride and, uh, and fondness in Cincinnati? I mean, I'm a, I'm a guy, like, I, uh, I don't forget uh, very much. I pretty much remember <laughs> everything <laughs> right. that I, I feel was a monumental moment for me. Um, I don't know what year this was. Maybe you guys can research and figure it out. Sure. Um, but I remember John Kidna was a quarterback, and I wasn't I wasn't in and out of the lineup at this time. We played the New York Giants. It was cold. It was snowy. It was fourth down. I was double teamed. Kidna throws me the ball. I jump over two guys, catch the ball. Next play of the game, Chad catches a touchdown. We won the game. For yeah. some reason, I always remembered that. We're playing them in Cincinnati. Um, I always remember that game. And I go back to the playoff game where Carson got hurt. Mm. I truly, in my heart, believe if Carson doesn't get hurt, we win the Super Bowl. Nobody yeah, agrees. I agree. Mm, I think most people would agree. And, and so that's a moment that is a bittersweet moment because that season was so special. Mm. Offensively, um, I would venture, I would go out and say, skill player wise, we're probably the best in the league. Offensive line, we're probably the best in the league um, as a whole. And it's just unfortunate that Carson gets hurt because if he does, if that doesn't happen, I truly believe we won the Super Bowl. Oh dear, it's it's all what ifs, isn't it? Really, I mean, there's been a few games like that where things have happened and just terrible luck, really. Um, but we will always remember you, TJ, and you put in. You know, you had a fantastic career in Cincinnati, and uh, we we can't thank you enough for for sparing the time with us on the, a bit of a Christmas treat for all our listeners. So thank you so much, TJ. All right, I appreciate it, man. You guys take care over there in uh, the UK. Hopefully, I can get out there one day. Well, okay. There's a there's a pint waiting for you in the pub somewhere with your name <laughs> on it, TJ. When you come over, okay. All right, Pam. I appreciate you guys, man. All right, have, have, a, great, have a great Christmas, TJ. Thanks for your time. Okay. Thanks, TJ, Take man. Care. Cheers. Well, that was TJ Hushmazada. How about that? Not bad for a Christmas treat, I think. What a present. What a nice surprise. A top bloke as well. You know, really good to have a chat with him and, you know, learn more. And, you know, for me as a fan, that was when I became a fan back in Were the... Were you nervous talking to him? No, I was all right. I was all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. um, he, was, he was, as you say, you started being a Bengals fan around that time. About 2003, I think it was, when I uh, became a fan. So, you know, I very much grew up watching him back in my days when I was about 14, 15, you know. But... um. Yeah, great guy. You know, great memories of him playing for the Bengals. I think, you know, whenever he brings up that 2005 playoff game, it it sort of pulls the heartstrings a bit because I think that more than, you know, the season with Dalton and the thumb injury, that that was a real contender of a team. It was an explosive offense. It was an opportunistic defense. And I think, yeah, with Carson Palmer playing, I mean, you know, they lost to the Steelers who went on to win it. Mm. And we were a lot better than the Steelers that yeah, year. I agree. Well, that's another big name. Uh, to tick off the list, a big thanks to TJ for joining us. Um, uh, and we've got some more big names coming up right now because it's time for your correspondence, as ever. Um, and people have been writing in with fury and anger and humour and everything else in between. Uh, they've been getting in touch with us at Today underscore UK on Twitter, which you can do that. And... Um, if you're listening to this before Wednesday the 18th, we have a giveaway uh, on our Twitter feed. Uh, you can win a signed Carlos Dunlap ball. 
uh, which is outrageous a, prize. That isn't it? Yeah, it's great, and that was very generously donated by Tim Knowles. Um, although I suspect that he probably signed it himself and just bought. He's a, a dodgy geezer, yeah, Tim Knowles. Bought a, bought He's a dodgy geezer. Sunday market somewhere. Yeah, and, uh, but no, thanks to Tim, and uh, so get onto our Twitter feed and enter that competition. And just keep talking to us. Uh, as I say, we've got another podcast coming at the end of the week. That'll be our Christmas one. Uh, but in the meantime, it is your correspondence. Uh, we're going to start with Dave Cass at Come On Didier. Solid handle. His stats were great in themselves, but I was really pleased with the attitude shown by Joe Mixon. He really did fight for every foot. Uh, the defence played well enough, but Andy didn't give them a chance. New Q- QB for next season now a given? Question mark. Can I make a really controversial statement? Oh, hello. It's not like you. <laughs> Joe Mixon, right? Yeah, oh, here we go. So, no, 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 listen, this is, yeah, this yeah. is going to like, and I, I, this is a bit depressing, but I'm going right. to say it. I believe it's his contract year next year. Yes. That's going to be interesting. Oh, yeah, very interesting. Because yeah. I don't, everyone out there, as much as they rate Mixon, the narrative is don't pay running backs. And that's, to me, going to be really interesting to see what we do with that. Do we franchise him? Because the way he's playing, I mean, I've been, you know, I've been criticised Mixon in the past, but he's playing fantastically at the moment. He's really showing his potential. What do you do, though? Because that's a At that's the a moment, you pay one, him. It? Because he, yeah. he's your star. You have to. Is, is that the right place to invest your money, though? Maybe, maybe not. But at the moment, you've got to. We've got to hang on to anything that we've got at the moment. And it's a he, tough one, isn't it? It is a tough one. But I think he's. You know, you you saw production, really good production, and a progression last year again with a bad offensive line, and you're seeing him become a, another progression both on the field and off the field. He's been. I just think you've got to do it, really. It's going to be interesting because obviously there's a big reluctance to pay running backs. You know, you saw Dallas give the money to Ezekiel Elliott. Mm. Um, It's a difficult one because it comes down again to durability with a running back position. I mean, it's such a hard position to play from an injury standpoint. But his talent certainly, you know, his performances are certainly warranting it at the moment. But it'll be interesting to see next year Mm. how that pans out. Peter Dadswell at Dadders. We know how the pod feels about tanking, but with a 1-13 record, can we compromise and agree we'll welcome a loss to the Dolphins to guarantee a number one pick and then smash those Browns for an end-of-season hurrah? It's tempting, isn't it, really? I mean, there's nothing to play for this season apart from, you know, confidence and that locker room. Um... I know, I'm still. I know it sounds really weird. I know I'm going against the grain here, but I'm still a bit funny about tanking. Really, I'm not obsessing uh, about Burrow too much. Uh, I'm excited that we might have the opportunity for a first round pick. But George Oloka said this in the podcast with Joe and Jake, and I think they probably hated him for doing this because they are the arch advocates of the tank you know and, and George Oloka said it absolutely right he said wherever you pick you've just got to hit on your picks whether it's one two three four five six seventy hundred and four or whatever hundred percent and I'd so agree with that uh, we're gonna get a good player next year but yeah I agree listen um, if we get the opportunity to draft Borough you especially after seeing Dalton last this week just confirm things then then you've got to take him really we're in a decent position because even if I mean it's horrible to be talking about this and mm. I do hate it but if we do beat the Dolphins and that'd be a, I think it'd be a tight game it's in Miami tight game if you beat them 
and going into the last game of the season, we beat the Browns. If they were to win their final game, I believe, or lose their final game, sorry, you know, it'd be very tight. And they've got the Patriots last game of the season. So it's very, very unlikely they're going to beat the Patriots in week 17. Mm. So if we beat them and you go into that last game of the season, you've got a very tough predicament because they're playing the Patriots. They ain't going to win that. So, you know, we're looking at us going into that Browns game and it's going to be very, very sort of, you know what I mean? Like people really actively being like, you know what I mean? If we win, and that's a horrible position to be in because you just want to watch the team win. For Zach Taylor's sake, for the players' sake, I want them to get two more wins. Yeah, me too. And I think they can definitely achieve that. But we are uh, in the minority here. Yeah, but it's so tough, isn't it? Because I get it. Like Joe Burrow, he's a great player. He comes across well. I mean, did you see Boomer Esiason handed him yeah, the Bengals' yeah, helmet yeah, yeah. on the game day show? You know, really interesting. He took it well. He's got all smiles. He's a great, great lad. But I don't know. It... it I'm starting to feel a bit, I think because of all the chatter and all the media stuff, I'm starting to be like, geez, I want a bit of burrow now. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, but but. It, it's a horrible position to think to yourself, if we beat the Dolphins next week, 50% of me is going to be buzzing because I support the Bengals, I want them to win. But there's going to be a part of me, a big part of me now, it's like, shit. Mm. If we beat the Browns next week, yeah. we might not get him because they damn well will take him if he's sat there. They yeah. need a quarterback oh, the more Dolphins. than us. The oh, Dolphins, 100%, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So um, it does get a bit nervy. <laughs> uh, I don't think we're going to win next week, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, you could talk about this all day long. You can go around and around. I just, you know, I've watched the game for a long, long time, and I've just seen so many number one draft picks not live up to their hype. Yeah, I completely um, agree with you. You know, and I'm not saying Burrow's going to be that because he looks a million dollars, you know. Um, however, I do think it's dangerous to be this obsessive about him. I, I completely agree. Building him up to be some sort of saviour because and, and, he's going to need good players around him. It's not just Joe Burrow. You hope that if we take him, that he is finally going to be one of those quarterbacks that elevates a team but you still need good players around him. Yeah, and I think... And if yeah, AJ Green uh, goes, what do you 100%, do? A hundred percent. If John Ross goes, what are you going to do? With, with a very young coaching staff still that only won, you know, possibly one game the season before, that's not... I mean, as good as Joe Burrow possibly could be, that's not an envious position to come into. No, but then again, you know, if you're picking first in the draft, no team is no, going to be envious. No, true, true, So, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for the prospect, but I'm not, I'm not going nuts at the moment. Uh, some of this obsessive behaviour is just I don't know just grinds me up the wrong way and, and a tiny percentile uh, to use that word um, of me actually kind of hopes that we don't pick him just to see the faces <laughs> well, of I, the bedroom analysts you yeah know? <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah I, but I, of course I want the best for the team and if he's going to be uh, our superstar for the next 10 years then mm. then fantastic I hope we do I mean I if you t- if you ask me today what we should do with the number one pick if it was presented to us then I I, I would you know I think there I've said it on this podcast before there's valid arguments for trading down there's valid uh, as TJ said there's valid arguments for trading no, down no I was just about to say that um, there's a va- if Chase Young declares then it, there's a there's a valid argument for taking Chase Young but it's just the way the stars have aligned it's the end of Dalton's contract more or less uh, it, it's not going to cost anything to get rid of him. He's not playing very well. Um, you and feel we, like the city needs a spark. Yeah, as the well. city and the That's fan base need a spark. So all those things have aligned, and you realise that uh, this is the moment. This is the moment for a new 
kind of era. So I hope we take him. I think more than anything, and just what I touched on before, it would galvanise the fan base. Yeah, 100%. To get someone yeah. like Burroughs from Ohio, you know, he's won the Heisman Trophy, LSU, you know, one of the best teams <laughs> in the country. I think to get him to sort of, you know, drive that new era forward, it would be fantastic. But like you said, I agree. I think you've got to watch out for the hype. I agree. Uh, ben at Age of Wobble. Uh, bearing in mind the switch from our first half run-heavy offence to our throw-heavy and pick-heavy offence in the second half, is this a case of a typical Belichick halftime adjustment forcing the Bengals' demise or our rookie coach overthinking play-call strategy? Um, I think it's... Uh, pers- I think we've spoken about this a little bit. I think it's a, a very Belichickian thing to do. <laughs> Uh, but also, I don't think it's overthinking. I don't think it's thinking enough. I don't think perhaps they reacted. But that's just me speculating. It's very easy for when another team shuts down their opponent to kind of blame. you know. But they're making in, in-game adjustments all the time. But, you know, Patriots are masters at identifying problems and eliminating them. So I yeah. think it's more Belichick. Really. You've also, when you're playing from behind, you've got to be throwing that ball aggressively at the end and stuff like that's going to happen, you know. Yeah. It gets a very good secondary. Yeah. Uh, Aurelius FC at Aurelius 13. Joe Mixon is the best running back in the NFL. Don't at me. I'm not, I'm not planning to, Aurelius. I think over the past... Uh, Month, he's he's up there, isn't he? He's up there with the best. I mean, you look at Nick Chubb, you look at McCaffrey doing great things. McCaffrey and Barkley. Yeah, but he's up there. I mean, statistically, he's number three, third in the league. So um, Not over for the, the whole pa- season. No, 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 over the past month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's doing he's doing really well. I'm not sh- I'm not sure I'm ready to call him the best, but he's definitely up there. You know, there's some fantastic running backs in the NFL. You know, uh, Stephen. But fair play to Mixon. That's not this. Uh, Mixon's having a fantastic month, and long may it continue. Stephen Gray at his Stephen Gray. If you'll indulge a Pat's fan uh, for the Bengals, too many basic mistakes. Geno Atkins underwhelming again. Dalton too desperate. Threw the towel in in the second half. Well, I- that's a load of nonsense, Stephen. They didn't throw the towel in. They threw the balls in the wrong areas, but they certainly didn't throw the towel in. I think he does make a fair point about Geno Atkins. He was a little bit underwhelming, I say, but again, he did collapse the pocket quite often. He was getting some good push. Mm. But, of course, you know, he didn't get any sacks or anything like that. I do that. think he's... I just think this season, he's not played badly, but he's not had as many wow moments. No. but He it, has some of those moments where you just see him absolutely bundle some geezer over into the yeah, backfield, and I just yeah. feel like there's been a few less of them this season. Warrior Nate at Warrior Nate 99 Great day running the rock for Mixon. I'm disappointed how the second half of games have gone. We seem to be getting completely outcoached. Even the win against the Jets was a very poor second half showing. Show us the way, Coach Taylor. Amen to that. I think, I think there is an element of that. Yeah. Uh, I really do. Um, you know, Zach's got to learn quickly, and his staff have got to learn quickly that you know what they're doing well in the first half will try and be nullified in the second. We're just, I mean, the third quarter is just our kind of oh it's just terrible isn't it kryptonite at the moment yeah, we yeah. just, just you don't feel show like up. most games this season with the you know apart from the 49ers we've come out and been good and we've looked competitive and we've played well and I think you know going into that second half I don't know if it's a confidence issue I don't know if they run out of play calls or you know they sort of lose their direction a bit but it is a real shame because I thought TJ made an excellent point a really good point in his interview when he said about the Seattle game if we could have just finished that off 
and we played so well they're on the road he's like that confidence could have driven this team forward and that sort of win you know does the stars align differently Mm. if that win you know drops in the win column not the loss I agree Uh, Phil at Bengal Blue Boy hello Phil we are now at the point where only a potential franchise quarterback gives this season meaning play the practice squad against Miami then beat Cleveland Uh, we've already talked about that Um, yeah yeah uh, Bengal Bryant at Bengal Bryant that's nice and simple first time call- no it's not first time call I don't think getting Jonah Williams back uh, playing will be like getting an additional first round pick next year that would improve the line straight away and as as TJ said you know and we've said Cordy the return of Cordy Glenn has made a big difference and if you add in Jonah Williams to that kind of mix suddenly you know it's not too bad, is it? If you get if Glenn's back next season and you got Jonah back and you got Trey Hopkins still playing at a sign Trey level, Hopkins up. Yeah, John Miller's all right. All of a sudden you're like, oh, you new Well, they're big on Michael Jordan. I, I still think they're gonna look for reinforcements. Should Billy Price is gone at the end of the season. Dunno. I think he's I'd I'd be I'd be cutting ties, I really would. Yeah, he's not it's a shame, isn't it? But really one of I mean with the greatest respect to Billy, one of the most I like he's just not panned out. No, yeah. For hasn't. a first round pick, I and mean, we desperately needed a centre back then. We were talking about Ragnar, we were talking about Ch- uh, James Daniels. Yeah, that's right. All of these guys, and I think it's just such a shame it hasn't worked out. Yeah, but he might be useful for a backup. Yeah. But has he got any value? Anyway, we've got, we've got a question about this later. Uh, Killian at Malloy underscore double zero. Didn't actually catch the game yesterday, but from what I saw, Mixon had a huge day. He did, Killian. Uh, another hundred-yard game, and he's not far off a thousand yards for the year. A bright spark in the team when not much else has clicked. Agree, Killian. Uh, Rosie at Rosie underscore May sixteen. We lost again. Not surprising, but was really impressed with the defense and Mixon. If we can build a slightly better line, Mixon will easily take the best running back title. He has the talent. Uh, Jess at Jess Ellis Conley. I just want to say I really enjoy the Advent calendar and I wish all of you a very Merry Christmas. Thank you to all of you for sticking with it through this historically bad season. Next year will be better. Who day? Thank you, Jess. Very nice of you, Jess. Merry Christmas to you and your uh, astute gentleman friend. Uh, (laughs) Jamie at Trequart Beaster. Cannot wait until April the 23rd when we unwrap our draft Christmas present. Let's get Joe, and then let's get Joe some toys to play with and some protection. Draft, free agency, and trades. Our time is soon. Uh, I agree. I think, you know, I think all angles have to be attacked and used next year to turn this thing around quickly. Question. It's one of my controversial quick takes. Oh, here we go. Do you see Joe Burrow's Heisman Trophy acceptance speech? I did not, know. Geezer's in all sorts of tears. He can't get his words out. Bless him. He, you know, he was saying that no one was going to take him or something. And that mm-hmm. coach from LSU, I can't remember the coach's name. Excuse my ignorance. But no, both all, everyone was in tears. Yeah. And it was really nice. But I'll tell you what, there's an argument. I'm not suggesting this, but I'm just throwing it out there. You go all in and just get him off of LSU and go, come on, son, over here. Come on to the Bengals. You and Burrow have a go at the pros. If you were going to get rid of Taylor, he'd be right up there on my list. And yeah. I don't know that much yeah. about him. I know LSU are obviously a fantastic team. They're historically a very good team. But, you know, that connection and relationship, if, if anything was going to get Joe Burrow playing with a rocket up his ass, it'd be him. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a, 
uh, that controversial. No, I just sort of I don't know much about the geezers. So but it's interesting, though, isn't it? You look at LSU; they've got some really good wide receivers, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. and they're all going up and contesting for it. They're riding the wave of this amazing success. You know, Burrow's getting a lot of uh, national and global uh, love at the moment. And then you look at the Bengals, the, the Bengals receivers aren't really going up and contesting. And, you know, what I'm trying to say is, you know, being on a winning team in a winning programme really makes a difference. I completely agree. Yeah, really yeah. makes a massive difference. And it's college, it's not the NFL. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. Cornerbacks are better. I agree. Defensive I agree. ends are quicker and stronger. Agreed. You know. Um, anyway, uh, Jamie asked another question. If you could choose one non-football player to come in and improve the playing staff at the Bengals, who would it be? Oh, that's a good question, isn't it? I'm going to go... Sven Goran Eriksson. What? <laughs> what would he do? He'd just like... He'd just like shaggle the female employees of the club, I would imagine. Not that the female employees of the club would let him, but... Um, uh, I'm going to go for Yassil Puig. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Yassil Puig. He looks like a big old nutcase. He'd be a feisty character, wouldn't he? I'll also go for Ben Stokes as well. I don't really like Stokes, really. Do you not? Fighting spirit, though. Yeah, yeah, Amazing. Yeah. For our American listeners, Ben Stokes is a cricket player who single-handedly won games for England this this year. It was some amazing... He's got bollocks on in the geezer, hasn't he? But... Yeah, massive, big, swollen, hairy bollocks. Yeah, yeah, ginger it's... as well. Yeah, big, yeah. hairy, swollen ginger bollocks. Size of grapefruits. Size of grapefruits. <laughs> Size of Jupiter, each one. A big ginger Jupiter Just in his trousers. It. Yeah, you know, yeah. No, he's, he's a, not a bad shag. Yeah. He'd he, he, he be a good shag. I'm trying to think who else. He'd be a good one. Um, Boris Johnson. <laughs> Boris Johnson? <laughs> no, bloody. I couldn't fear anyone worse. Um, don't know. I don't know. I'm out. Jay, it's okay. a good question, but I can't know one strikes me. Martin Caladine at Ugly Game. Assuming Burrow remains healthy and tests well. See, we, we haven't built that into the scenario yet. There's a what? long way to go between now and the draft. Yeah, combine. Yeah. You got the senior bowl. You got all of it. All that, and we'll be coaching the senior bowl as well. No but me and you? No, not we. Well, actually, yes. I, I, I was going to tell why, you. Why not? Let's put our let's put our kind of application. Why, in. why would the senior bowl? What would be your pitch be then? Just us. we're two passionate fans. We know a bit about the game. You know, we obviously Bengals got number one pick. We'd be keen to work out some of the players to influence our podcast game. Yeah. Why would they not have us? I mean, coached the. To be honest, I'll coach I the receivers and backs. You coach the line. Okay. Dadders can coach the quarterbacks. Dadders, wow. Okay, yeah. He's yeah, got yeah. good head on him. He yeah. can have. A, he knows a bit about both Dockerill as well. He can have a word. So Nathan's just. If you don't know who these people are, Nathan's just quoting Bengals UK members here. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I could think of a thousand reasons why they wouldn't go for us, <laughs> but. Um, yeah. Anyway, Martin's question is, um, assuming Burrow remains healthy and tests well, and assuming a team would actually offer them, what would you take? What What would it take for you to trade out of the number one It's a good pick? question. It's number a good one. question. Option one, two firsts. Two, two firsts and one second. Three, two firsts and two seconds. Four, three firsts and two seconds. Four, three firsts and three seconds. Five more. Realistically, it depends where the team is picking in the first round that's offering you. Mm. If someone at the bottom, you're going to want more. If it's someone you know in the top ten, it might take less. I, I realistically, if it was me and a team came to us, they say they're drafting 14th, just for argument's sake, and they offered us their whole draft and next year's first rounder, I'd, I'd probably do it. 
Their whole draft, their yeah. whole seven picks. If you want the franchise... Has that ever happened before? Well, they offered it, the New Orleans offered it to us, didn't they, for a key, that Keely Not, Smith pick, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, but that was like about two decades ago. Well, I think, I think you know, maybe you chuck them a few, like third or fourth exchange or something, but I, it would take that. You've got a franchise quarterback who I think going into the draft will be viewed as the number one guy, Heisman Trophy winner. No, I get that. I'm, I'm, I, I will go for three firsts and two or three seconds, I think. And then but perhaps, teams not going to have that, is they? And perhaps next year's first as well. Yeah, it's, it'd be a huge package. I mean, mm. I, it wouldn't, you know, uh, and there'd be teams that will be calling the Bengals. Yeah, no, I agree. Because I there's agree. a lot of teams that want a quarterback. And I think outside of Burrow, there's a lot of questions about Tua, you know, and outside of that, I'm not sure there's that many players that are sort of yeah, locks. Yeah. So if you want a quarterback, that's a pretty coveted position to be in. Mm. Thank you, Martin. Uh, be interesting to hear what you guys think about that one. Uh, Dastardly Duncan at uh, Dastardly Duncan. Solid handle. You can keep one of the following Dalton, Green, or Eifert. Green without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, I'm going green. Interesting that uh, Belichick was really bigging up Tyler Eifert in the press conference yesterday as well. He likes a few of our ex players. I know, he does. He's got Chad off us in the past. He's got Rex, James Devlin, Sanu. Yeah, yeah. Flowers, Marquis Flowers. Exactly, probably perhaps the biggest one out of the whole lot there. Big lad. You can trade one of the following, Price, Ross or Bernard. For what? (laughs) Well, you can just trade him. Um, Who are you going to trade out of those three? I'd I'd value Price the least. Yeah, I think Ross has got the most value. Ross would have decent value. They're, they're They're all candidates. I think... Gio's getting paid too much for his production. I, agree, I love yeah. Gio, but you know, if you're trying to save a bit of money on what you're getting back, he'd be up mm, there. No, I agree. You can cut one of the following. Vigil, Hart, or Kirkpatrick. Hart. Yeah, I think I'd agree. Only because I think Vigil's really picked up his game in the past couple of weeks. He's still not perfect, but he's picked up considerably. Uh, Dre's got NFL experience and is a solid starter, I would say. Hart is a below average offensive tackle. That's yeah. putting it kindly. Yeah, I agree. although he has been better this year. To He's be, been to a be. bit better. Yeah, I, I'd still. I, sometimes I question. It. Yeah, I'm not going to get into it. Off-season topic. And you can extend. This is a good question. This is a multi-stranded question. And you can extend any player for their entire career. Goodness. Who do you pick? God blimey. Um I'm going Bullock. <laughs> Definitely Randy. He's you know, a young fun. player with a lot of potential, <clears throat> Sam Hubbard. For his entire career, though. Well, he's young, isn't he? You yeah, get to keep true, him. There's true. not many young players on this team. Maybe Jesse Bates, but that you, you know, you want to lock down because a lot of these guys, are, you know, Dunlaps and uh, you know, Genos, and they're, they're getting a bit older in the tooth now. You know, extend them for their old career. You might only get three years out of them. With Sam Hubbard. I just love Sam Hubbard's work ethic, his yeah, intensity. He's fitting so well on that defense. He's a you know hometown lad. He's from mm-hmm. you, you know went to Ohio State. I think he's a he. It probably would be him for me. I'm going mix on. Mm, okay. Although, as you mentioned, uh, running backs are notoriously difficult because of their longevity, their kind of durability issues. Um, Can I say one thing about Mixon that no one talks about? He's never fumbled the ball. No, he hasn't. I've never seen him fumble the ball. I think you know you only get you, fumbling only becomes a, you know a topic of conversation when you it happens. wait until our no, first you... playoff game. He'll do a Jeremy Hill, yeah. no doubt, and I don't want to jinx that at all. 
Um, okay, we're coming to the end of this podcast now. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, so, Nathan, are you uh, Christmas? Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, I'm indeed. Yeah, You're yeah. all sorted. I am. In, well, not all sorted. You get me uh, a present at all? No, not. I've got maybe a couple of things in the fire. Oh, I see. Right. What about yourself, son? Are you, no, uh, no, not at all. no, 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 no. No. Excited for the Christmas episode, though. Yes, uh, we're recording that Wednesday, so we'll put out a tweet asking you for your Christmas uh, comments. Uh, we've got some, as I mentioned earlier, we've got some fantastic musical guests. We're going to be singing carols. We've got some. We're having a few pints and all, we? Well, might get a bit tasty. Yeah, I was going to suggest that we could do a bit more Christmassy and maybe go for cocktails instead. Oh, no. What? Like what? I don't know, Christmas some sort cocktails. of Christmas cocktails. Like, what, what are you thinking, though? Like, I don't know. I'm, I don't I'm know. There through. is a Christmas cocktail, isn't No, there? but, you know, like tradition stuff that you know, something a little bit snazzy. Like eggnog. No, 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 that that's horrible I don't know. Stuff. I, I, not, I have not eggnog. No, before. I haven't. It right, like, I'm going to buy you some. Eggnog. No, don't. I'm don't gonna, I yeah, don't want to do that. We're going to have an eggnog tasting session. No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Are you going to actually bring some beers this time? Yeah, I'll bring some any beers. beers. No, but I'm you're not, the one that I keeps had a on heavy about. weekend. You're the one that keeps going. We should get drunk on this podcast. We've got to start <laughs> drinking again. <laughs> last time I got like what last time I was drinking on this podcast, I was incoherent. In that pub, I was just slurring my words, shouting. That is true, actually. It's disgraceful. The viewers picked up on it. Yeah, it was, it was quite some, There were some tweets about We that. want uh, Nathan slurring again, which is why I suggested a cocktail. Uh, my, my, my media reel, <laughs> if I send it off <laughs> Your to... Your highlight reel. My highlight reel, I send off to, you know, Sky Sports and Eurosport. Yeah. What are they going to think if they hear that? That's right. You think he's a he's a drunkard <laughs> and a bum. You're a bum. You're it's like a, a sort of like, a, like weird American drunk slurring, yes. shouting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, that's true. Whenever you get drunk, you start it's to try terrible, and become mate. American. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm off the uh, off the source. Well, anyway, uh, though, let's go for a beer now, me and you. Let's wrap this up. Head off out to the vine. All right, let's do it. I've been drinking a Hog's Back Hogstar, a new breed of lager. It it, uh, it shouts from its label. Um, these copyrights, these beers, I tell you, they've got, they've got a. It just doing well, aren't they? It tastes a little bit like normal lager, really. Really? Yeah. It's not a new breed of lager, you wouldn't no, say. No, I think they just did it because of the pig connection. All right, I've Go got on. an unbelievable challenge for me and you, right? Because we talk oh, about the labels yeah. a lot each week. Yes. You got to come up, me and you, with your own beer label. Okay. So you got to call it something. Yeah. And you got to like you. At a hundred words, what's that reasonable? Fifty words to describe. Well, maybe, it. We'll, well, maybe we'll do like open that up to our listeners as well. Send in the name of your beer yes. and fif- fifty words to describe it, and the best one wins. A no visuals. I'm not because I get destroyed with the visuals. Just a name right. and what it is. Okay. All right then. Um, if you want to do that, we can do that. And I'm going to do one. Well, I've still got some Bengals gear to give away, so we can Could give be away a, a beanie one, yeah, hat yeah. or something. Yeah. Anyway, stay tuned to our uh, social media channels because we're carrying on with our advent calendar up until Christmas, obviously. Uh, we What else have we got? We've still got the giveaway, the Carlos Dunlap signed ball. We've got our online tailgate before the Miami game on Sunday, which I think Nathan's going to do this the weekend. Um, <laughs> Am I? <laughs> it doesn't know that yet, but um, uh, so lots of things going on, uh, and of course, um, I think planning to drop the Christmas bumper episode, uh, which really I think will be worth listening to, because say we've got musical guests, we've got uh, Bengals guests, we've got all sorts of things going on. 
Uh, that should be dropping at the end of the week, maybe Friday uh, or Saturday even. Um, but uh, thank you for listening tonight uh, in episode 68. We, uh, we're we very thankful for TJ Hushmanzada joining us uh, from Los Angeles. Uh, it's amazing. Again, you have to pinch yourself, really, don't you, talking to all these people. But um, I hope you enjoyed the chat. And until the next time, it only remains for me to say, it's a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.